Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. And today we had on my good friend, Coach Corey Lieberman, who is the associate head coach of the Madison Capitals in the United States Hockey League. I'm your co-host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey. And with me as usual is... Heath Kamen here from Elevated Hockey. And yeah, I you know, I know Danny, you're you go back to your playing days playing with with Corey, and now he's making a, a name for himself in the coaching world. So it's pretty cool to connect with him. And I think it's really uh it, it speaks volumes to uh the kind of coach Corey is because even just a couple weeks ago when we recorded this episode, he was the head coach uh and GM of the Janesville Jets in the NAHL. And just in the last little bit, he's been promoted the associate head coach in the USHL league, you know, the tier one junior league. So, you know, obviously the guy's doing things the right way. He's getting noticed and he's getting promoted um, in his career up to the higher league. So I think that's a pretty cool little piece. So it's, it's kind of neat to listen to the insights of a guy that's getting recognized and getting pulled up to the higher leagues. But, you know, the, I think you know, one thing that I was really, uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to listen to is the part that he touches on about um, how players can get noticed by junior coaches at the higher levels and what, you know, what that looks like um, from a player, not a parent, but a player contacting those coaches and, and what that process looks like to get on a team's radar and hopefully make that team down the road. So I think that's great advice for the listeners out there. What about, what, what about you, Danny? What do you think? Absolutely. Um, Coach Corey and I go a long way back, you know, before we became teammates, he actually shot a puck at my throat for some reason, uh, which was uncalled for back when we played in the USHL together or against each other. But uh, <laughs> that's okay. We ended up winning that game. But um, yeah, I'm pumped to hear uh, Nolan Corey for a while. He's always been tight, that vocal type and guys respect what he has to say. And, you know, I wasn't expecting him to say, here's how I failed as a coach. And he, he talked about that and uh, he was open and willing um, to uh, to kind of see that, and I think that's why you're you're seeing those improvements. And so, I'm excited for this one. Um, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Send us any questions that you might have. And what do you say, Coach? Should we dig in? I say I say we dig in. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does. You need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Born and raised in North Mankato, Minnesota, a standout player and captain for Mankato West High School before joining the Fargo Force in the USHL for two seasons, including being named team captain in the second season and going back-to-back in the Clark Cup Finals runner-ups. Let's go! Played two and a half years for the NCAA, Minnesota State University, Mankato, before transferring to Gustavus Adolphus, where he finished his collegiate career as team captain and All-American. 2014 made his professional debut in the SPHL made his coaching debut in the NA3, quickly moved to the NAHL as part of the 
Wichita Falls Wildcat staff. Let's go. Joined the Janesville Jets in 2017 and was promoted to head coach in his second season with the team where he is currently the head coach and director of scouting. Most importantly, a member of the 2016 Fazio Jabronis championship team. Corey Lieberman, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? Let's go, boys. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Feels good to finally get on here. Yeah, Corey, yeah. we're pumped to talk with you here. I know you and Heater go way back, but I'm uh, I'm excited to hear, dig into your background, your coaching yeah. philosophies and things like that. So I think that's a good place to start. Let's let's go into a little bit of your hockey background. I know Heater hit, hit on a couple of the, the points there, but uh, give us a rundown on kind of your uh, your background in hockey. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Danny touched base a little bit about it, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to play high school hockey for four years uh, down in Mankato West High School. The Scarlets were – Coach Danny actually coached for a couple of years. Uh, after that, Let's I moved go. to Fargo. Yeah, moved to Fargo for two years. Uh, played juniors there in the USHL. Got a got to take on Coach Danny there a couple of times too. Um, and then uh, eventually, <laughs> Danny and I were were roommates at some point in college at Minnesota State Mankato. And then uh, I decided to move about junior year, halfway through the Christmas time, just to you know, for me, it was an opportunity to play more and just finish out. If I had a year and a half left of hockey, I just wanted to enjoy it and, you know, decided to go D3 and, you know, it was a good decision for me hockey-wise. Financially, it wasn't at the time and still isn't with student loans, but uh, you know what? I had a blast. Gus Davis was great. Um, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity. I still was close to my man Cato friends. Um, and then after uh, college, I played a little bit in Germany. Uh, I should say a cup of coffee in Germany. Had uh, shoulder surgery December of 2015 and came back home, got surgery, and then uh, played about six or seven games down in the SPHL. And at that point, it uh, wasn't worth it for me to continue. And, you know, I decided to hang them up. And that's kind of a hockey background. And, you know, now we are into coaching, which it's been a great opportunity, and I've loved it ever since. Yeah, I think um, one. This guy's got the the nastiest, funky looking shoulders you've ever seen. So um, I'm glad you're getting those fixed, and hopefully they're they're healthy as as of today. Uh, but one thing I didn't mention in your bio, and I feel terrible about this, um, but I want to talk about it. 2008, you take the Mankato West Scarlets to the Minnesota State High School Tournament, and so. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I know that was kind of, I mean, that's a huge deal. I'm not from Minnesota, but I know that's a huge deal. And, and just knowing you personally, I mean, you still talk to those guys that are on that team probably every hour on the hour. And so what was that like? And I know it was your senior year and did that play a role in you sticking around for your senior year? And just what was the, what was the state tournament in Minnesota like? Yeah, honestly, it was, it was the greatest event, you know, being from Minnesota, just playing at the Excel Energy Center. But uh, like I said, I, I played four years with the same five guys. We came in as freshmen and, you know, we stuck together. We freshman year, we won four games, sophomore year, we won eight games. Then we turned it around into 18. And then, you know, we won around 25, 26, something like that senior year. And, you know, we, we ran into a, a good goalie. We had a good goalie at the time and we were fortunate enough to, to win the game sections and go to state. And, you know, to me, it's, I didn't know much about juniors or anything past high school hockey, honestly, until maybe halfway through my senior year, I got approached by a few teams and started looking into it. So uh, for me, all I knew was high school and my five best buddies that I was doing it with. And, and to this day, we still be, keep in touch. We still talk. I mean, 
a lot of people say they don't talk to their high school friends. I, I probably have 20 high school friends that I talk to weekly, daily, you know, so it's awesome yeah. for me to still be in touch with them. And those memories I'll never, you know, never lose. They're, they're awesome. And I had a blast doing it. And, you know, it's one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I never played in the Minnesota high school tournament. I, you know, from Minnesota originally, but grew up elsewhere. But, uh, you know, it's, it's such a special deal. I mean, I, the last couple of years I, I've get, I've gotten into it and flown to, to watch those games and it's just unreal. Like not only the, 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 the skill and the speed and like what a great tournament it is, but like the job that the tournament does putting it on at the Excel center. I mean, it's like, it's a memory of a lifetime. Like you said, and I have talked to a couple other coaches and players and we've, we've got one player on my college team right now that played in it. And he says the exact same thing as you. It's such a tight bond with those players. Yep. What an experience. So starting back when in, in high school, um, you know, you were, you were a captain of, of your high school team, correct? Yep. I was. Yep. yep. So, so I'm looking through your bio before this and, and you, you're a captain of a Minnesota high school team. You're a captain at the USHL level. You're a captain at an NCAA level. So let's, let's dig into a little bit about what your thoughts, um, the role of a captain plays on a team and, and your thoughts on some of the leadership at each of those levels that, that kind of help prepare you for your role as a coach now. Yeah. What's, what's funny is the, the year I came into high school, I was a freshman. We had, I think seven or eight seniors quit. So, um, I was actually nominated as a freshman as assistant captain. So that was probably one of the biggest honors for me back in the day. But um, I, I just think for me, being a leader, there's there's kind of two ways to look at it. You know, you always have your vocal leaders and you have your guys that <clears throat> just go out there and do the work and they don't need to say anything, you know. So for me, I think I was a little bit of both. Um, I come from a blue collar family. I always had to earn everything I was given. Um, really good stuff that my parents taught me was just work ethic. And I think that, you know, carried with me today that, you know, it's, it's doesn't matter who you are and where you come from. If you work and you continue to, to grow your craft, you can always go places. So I, I, I think leadership is, you know, it's big vocally as well. Um, being a coach, you, you got to be able to kind of read the bench at times and being a captain, you also got to do the same, right? So I think you got to be able to help, build relationships in that regard is, is picking guys up when they're down and being able to know when to push buttons uh, if guys aren't buying the same rope and they're not pulling the same way. So I just think there's two kinds. And, and for me, I think I was a mixture of both and I was fortunate enough to be a captain everywhere. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's your peers who, who vote you. And I just think when you, you do things the right way, you get rewarded in those opportunities. You know, being around you, I noticed a ton of that stuff and, it's no shock to me that you jumped right into the coaching world and you're having success, right? Because I mean, you're barely 30 years old and you're, you're moving your way up the, the junior hockey world. And I know your aspirations are bigger than that. And like you said, that hard work that you're going to put in will eventually get you there. But when you started out coaching, you started out in the NA three and then you quickly got to the NHL. What was, yeah, what was the biggest difference um, in making that jump just from the NA3 um, right right into the NAHL? Yeah, you know what, I, I really enjoyed my time in the NA3. Um, obviously, Tier 3, it's it's kind of a, a grind if you want to look at it in that regard because um, I was the only coach. So I didn't have an assistant coach. I didn't have equipment manager. I didn't have business staff. You know, I, I was setting up the meals. I was setting up everything that we did in New Jersey. So for me, it taught me a lot of just understanding how organizations run day to day and how we operate on the weekends and 
it kind of set me up for just having to be the guy that does everything. And it, it kind of set me up for a transition into when I did get hired on in Janesville, I was hired on by a gentleman by the name of Joe Dibble, who actually ended up um, retiring a month before the year and we were scrambling for a head coach. So um, I was there to, to pick up the slack and get everything situated for the season to get ready to rock. So I, I think the biggest transition for me was just the skill level and, and how competitive it is and how I think tier three was a, a serious time for me, but I also didn't realize how much more serious it was at the North American league and how, you know, you go from maybe talking to five or six D three schools for your guys to all of a sudden you got division one coaches calling you about Danny Heath and how is he as a person and, and what kind of hockey oh. player. I think, uh, <laughs> That kind of stuff just was kind of eye-opening to me. But, I mean, I, I think hockey's hockey. We're not trying to recreate the wheel. It's just the little things you're trying to help your guys out with. But I, I think just the just the seriousness of how competitive the North American Hockey League was was kind of eye-opening for me. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think some people underestimate what a big jump that is. From You know, it is obviously it's a level up. It's, it's, a, it's a jump. But I think some people underestimate what a big jump that really is um, to go from you know, even from a quality like top end player at the NA three, it's still a big jump to jump into a lineup in the, at the NA level and and be competitive. Um, so let, let's talk about that the team you're with with right now that you're leading the the Janesville Jets. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your coaching philosophies with your current team and um, and kind of what what your program or you do with your program to to set yourself apart? Yeah, I, I think it it just kind of starts with who I am as a person. Um, I never really reacted well to my way or the highway kind of coaching. Obviously I, I want to be able to do it with, with my players as well. Only being 29, I, I just went through this process. Um, seems like yesterday, but obviously quite some time ago. Um, so I think for me, I, I like to consider myself more of a player's coach. Um, communication is, is the number one factor for me. Uh, we meet with our guys once every week, once every two weeks, just to check in, whether it's, how's mom, dad, how's girlfriend, or how's school, um, just to make sure that the, the, the relationship is there. And, and once the relationship there is, is it begins the trust. And I think those are two big things that we preach um, in Janesville is our, our communication and our trust. Um, because I don't think if, if you have a player who trusts you as a coach, um, at the end of the day, why would I go out there and block a shot for you? You know, and, and that's comes from the coaches down to the players. If, if everyone can, can trust each other and we communicate the right ways, um, the rest will take care of itself. Um, for, for me, it's, you know, that's, that's the two musts. You got to be a good kid. Um, that's, that's what we look for. We put a big premium on that. Um, when I did take over halfway through um, 2017-18, I, I had a lot of, part of my French crappy hockey players and, and they weren't bad hockey players. They just weren't good human beings. And when I took over last year, um, I wanted to put a big premium on being a good person. And that's really what mattered to me. And if you're a good person and a good teammate, um, I can work with, with your skill and I can work with the other stuff to help you grow and, and groom. But if you can't communicate, you can't trust me and you're not a good person. I, I really don't have the time and want to coach you. So that's just a little bit about, about me and kind of what I'm, I'm trying to do here in Janesville. And, you know, we can get an X and O's, but that's really the forefront of, of what I want in a person when you come to Janesville. So now that you're 
the head coach there and you're, you're doing a lot of the scouting for the program. Let's talk about that. Where, like, it's got to be an interesting thing in the NA more so than the USHL because in the NA you have to watch the USHL and you have to watch every other league. And so talk to us about your scouting and uh, where most of your players are coming from and what, what you look for. I mean, obviously good, good hockey players and good people, but are there certain things that you like to see as a hockey player when you go watch a game and just what that scouting process looks like? Yeah. So, you know, it was, it's obviously an interesting year for us this past year. Um, what I mean by that is, is we had seven 2002 birth years. Um, we were the youngest team in the North American hockey league. If you think of the North American hockey league, you, you think of an older league, you think of age outs, you think of years with, you know, guys that, might have one year left, you know, that, that got released from the USHL. And I, I truly wanted to try something different. I wanted to get um, these young kids that were told from USHL teams, hey, you're a year away. And I wanted to groom, I wanted to develop, and I wanted to have um, basically a highly touted, skilled hockey team. And that's where I, I went to five USHL camps myself. My assistant coach went to three, um, and we pinpointed – you know, some pretty young talent that we thought had an opportunity to play junior hockey and, and leave high school or midgets. And um, that was kind of our philosophy going into the summer. Um, and really for me, you know, with the way the game is now, skating is number one. Um, you got to be able to skate in Janesville. Uh, the second part for me is, is hockey IQ, making plays, just seeing the game, being creative. Um, I, I want kids to make mistakes. I want them to mess up. Um, it's the only way that they're going to understand when it might be the time to do that versus not do that. Um, for me, it coaches will come on and, and say they got to compete. To me, it's 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 not a question. You have to compete in hockey. You know, if you don't compete, you're not going to go anywhere. And that the the one thing that I tell my kids, and I say there's a sample size of a hundred kids that are in the same shoes as you. Ninety five of those kids are. They want to be hockey players, and then there's five that will do anything that it takes. And you got to be in that 5%, five group of do whatever it takes. So when I go scout, if I see a kid, you know, going in the corner and he does a big C cut and doesn't finish a check or he goes to the net and doesn't stop at the net or shies away from contact, I mean, those are just all signs of kids that don't want to compete, you know, and it's small things like that that, I look for, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to be able to skate. You got to be able to have the hockey IQ and, you know, and you come to Janesville, you got to be a good person. I love that. I mean, you touched on, on a couple big pieces there of, of, of how you separate players out. Um, one thing that just stuck out to me, which kind of leads me into this next question here is that is you just said that you encourage these kids to make mistakes and to mess up. And you couple that in with the idea that you're going after younger players to build your roster um, with a lot of potential. So with those two things in mind, you know, I'm interested in, in what your player development looks like in Janesville, because ultimately, you know, not only you're preparing these players for, for life after junior hockey, but, but you're preparing them to, to reach the next level, whether that's the USHL or, or NCAA hockey. So can you maybe speak on that a little bit about what your, your player development looks like in Janesville and your philosophies around that? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the mistake part is that's, that's just giving kids confidence, right? If you, you don't let a kid make mistakes. You come to the bench and you scream at him, yell at him over and over. He's, he's not going to take it the right way. He's not going to learn. Right. So what we'll do is, is, I mean, I, I don't have to say much towards the end of the year. I'd kind of give that look like, come on coach, 
you know, you know, and they kind of understand that. And they're like, I know coach. So I, I think the biggest thing for me is, is individual video. Um, it kind of varies throughout the year. We, we do do a lot of video, um, systematic stuff, but I, I think the growing piece for kids and the development piece is down the stretch. We would work with lines individually once every week. Um, and we would go every shift and the kids would write down their shift lengths. They would talk about it. They would be the ones discussing what they thought. And then I would be the one intervening like, congratulations, that was good. Or, Hey, maybe try this. And then they start to see it not only from their perspective, but from a coaching perspective. And then it kind of gets everybody on the same page of what they're seeing. So, you know, individual video for me is, is big. Um, and then a lot of it, you know, we had 11 plus or 10 plus kids on our team committed division one. So a lot of their feedback is also from college coaches. Uh, so, you know, when a D one coach calls me, you know, and says, Hey, you know, Corey has to work on his D zone. We'll pinpoint clips in the D zone of what they're talking about. Maybe he's curling off or he's not blocking shots. He's not in the right position and, you know, we'll help develop him in that regard as well. Um, so it's kind of a working process with, with the coaching staff, the players, and, and, you know, if they are committed division one coaches, but, um, and then it's just a lot of skill work, individual skill. Um, my assistant coach works with the D I'll take the forwards. Uh, we try to do at least once a week. Um, you can go as much as you want, you know, it is optional. We have the ice in Janesville whenever we want. So it's an opportunity for you to be in that 5% club. If you want to get better and, and come on the ice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's truly up to you. If you want to be once a week or four times a week, I'm at the rink at 7 a.m. I'll be on the ice at 7.15. So for that, for us, that's kind of the two ways that we really focus on our development so they can kind of see it firsthand. That's pretty unique the way the way you watch video. Like I've never really heard of a coach. I've heard that in the educational world, like teachers, will they'd be like, Hey, you, you need to learn about this and then I'm going to be here to guide you. But it's pretty cool. Like if you're able to get your kids in the same room and guide them to where they need to do with them figuring out along the way, because at the end of the day, if they think it's their idea, they're going to, you're going to get more buy-in. So I think that's super unique. And then I know we've, we've bounced ideas back and forth and you use a lot of clips from the NHL to kind of show players stuff like that. Um, do you want to just dig into a little bit more, just the video stuff? And then, uh, would this be like an everyday thing you do with these guys or what, what, what does that week look like? I mean, cause obviously there are systems that come into play, um, that you have to do to get ready for the weekend. So w what does your typical week look like and how might you incorporate, you know, NHL clips or yeah. clips of my old playing days? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, right, with everything going on. Um, but it does give me a lot of time to to go back and watch video from this year, from our team, to college, to NHL. Um, watching NHL coaches clinics right now, which has been awesome to to kind of learn and grow in that regard. But um, for me, you know, I'll. I, I just use my Apple Mac computer here. I'll build iMovies and, and it'll kind of be detailed specific of what we want to do. So starting training camp, you know, we focus D zone to neutral zone to O zone and then, you know, we'll get into special teams. But for me, it's just kind of breaking down what works, what doesn't work and how we, we can, you know, run things smoother for the future. But, you know, if the way I operate, it's where do these kids want to go? Well, they're, to go to college that's the next step and then what's the the end goal it's the nhl so 
why not watch what the best players in the world, NHL and college are doing, right? So to me, it's if you want to play here and you want to play at Minnesota State Mankato, well, let's watch what Parker Toomey and Mark Michaelis are doing in the D zone and see where their stick positions are. And you want to watch what, you know, Minnesota Duluth is doing and watch their O zone and how they're forechecking and, and incorporate, you know, one or two clips um, of, of what they're doing. And then we try to incorporate one or two of us, but you know, that's how I, I really kind of operate with the video. And then for us, a week, week basis kind of goes yoga Monday mornings at 10 AM uh, we go to the gym Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Uh, we have a strength coach who's awesome. We have a facility at the athletic club. We do three groups, uh, specific hockey work like we used to do in college. Um, and then practice every day at 1.30. Uh, one Monday through Thursday is practice. And then we'll do a lot of community service. We're, we're big in uh, Janesville with your town, your team is what we, we use our hashtag or Twitter symbol or whatever you want to call it now. But, you know, our guys will be out in the community at least once a week, maybe two to four hours from schools to ringing bells to hospitals. So um, for us, it, it really sets them up for what you're going to do in college. And that's kind of the way we want to operate is some kids kind of complain at getting up at 7 a.m., for skill work. And I'll tell them you just got your workout done because you're going to class at 7am. So trying to teach these guys what college is all about and how to be to me, how to be a pro is what I call them and what I tell them. Yeah. So I mean, you're, you're basically, you're just preparing them for the next level. And so that, that brings me to my next question here is, is kind of the, the flip side of that. Uh, what, in your opinion, when you're seeing the, the, the rookies coming into the league in the, in the North American league, that, you know, the skills or the, whether it's on, on ice or off ice, the skills that maybe they're lacking versus a, a veteran that is moving on to that next level. That's getting the call up to the USHL or, or signing with a, an NCAA to go play in the NCAA level. So, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? That, that the progression from a rookie to, to, you know, ready to move on to the next, next, next step. What, what are the players learning while they're working with you? You know, I, I think it takes them, you know, somewhere between, 15 to 25 games just to figure out speed pace decision making how quick it is I mean we have the smallest ice sheet in the North American League so you have to make plays quicker you you had in high school or midgets five seconds to make a play you can do the cute dipsy doodle stuff where now it's you might have one second you might have two seconds so decision making has to become quicker um understanding the North American league is it's a heavy league in our eyes and it's a, it's a man's league cause it's older and, you know, understanding that it, it is hard to win at this level and it's hard to win the small battles and the small decisions to get a puck in or get a puck deep or bury that opportunity in front of the net. It's just those little things that all of our kids have the skill and the ability to do it. It's just understanding that it's 60 minutes long. And it's a grind and you got to be able to do it shift after shift. You can't take a shift off. And um, the good ones um, maybe take 10 to 15 games. And then for us, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we had seven 2002s. We were in last place right around Christmas break. And we got her to about one point before one point out of playoffs before the whole COVID happened to happen. So um, for us, it just, it takes a little bit longer with younger kids to understand 
to me, it's, it's the process is what I call it. And it's just the little things that it takes to win a hockey game and it takes to, to develop and it takes to be a pro. So when you talk about those little things, what kind of advice would you give to youth hockey coaches in regards to preparing their players to get to the NA USHL? Like, what would you say? Like, Hey, here's, here's what you should be working on at, you know, from a high school standpoint, Bantam standpoint, midgets, whatever that in, in their youth hockey world, this is some advice that you'd want to give them just to make sure they're developed and ready to come to the NA. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously reverts back to my, my point. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer, you know, I wasn't the greatest skater, but I am a big believer in skating. So incorporating skating um, in practice is, is big to me, at least to start practice. And then, uh, small area is another asset where you, you can develop decision-making, you can, de- can develop compete, you can develop the little things of, of what it takes to win those small battles to kind of set you up. So those are two areas that, you know, for me, I would focus on. I, I wouldn't spend too much time on, on fancy dandy video. I would, I would show the kids, you know, what you want to run and, and kind of let them go out there and make mistakes because, that's the only way they're going to grow, have a little bit of structure, but you know, it's not that you're letting them freelance, but you know, some structure, but be able to be creative and, and make mistakes because if you're harping down them early and tell them this doesn't work and then they come to the North American league, whether it's Janesville or another program and they're, they're allowed to do it, they're probably going to be scared to do it because they were yelled at for four straight years. So um, skating, small area, allowing kids to make mistakes, make it fun. I mean, we'll end practices with shootouts sometimes, a little three-on-three. Um, don't forget that these are kids. I mean, I do forget it sometimes. And my just, you know, my job with Janesville, it's stressful. But at the end of the day, these are 16- to 20-year-old kids that can either make my season and make me as a coach or – I could be fired. So I do have to take a step back in that regard and, and make sure that I'm having fun because if a 16-year-old kid believes in me and trusts me and knows I'm having fun, he's going to go do the same. I love that. And you, you touched on something that, they, um, you know, as a coach, I, I'm a big fan and supporter of using small area games at, at all levels. And so I'm curious, uh, you know, you brought that up. Like how – how often are you guys playing small area games at, at your level with your team throughout the season? Well, we start practice with a small area game every day. So uh, the reason for that, it, it gets your brain into it, gets your compete into it, gets your blood going right away. Um, I, don't, I don't really believe in just shooting drills and, and doing drills to do a drill. Like I want to have a purpose in what I'm doing. So it, it does vary from, from week to week of what small area drills we're doing, but you know, let's just say we're going to focus on D zone. Well, and gonna, there's going to be a lot of specific small area games that it might be one-on-ones for our defensemen out of the corner and working on our pins and then getting to the net and boxing out. And, you know, it really depends on what facet of the game we're trying to preach and what we're trying to get better at. But for me, it's, we start one with practice every day and then we'll probably mix in um, maybe one or two more. I mean, Tuesdays are our battle days where we compete and we compete with between five to six, maybe seven, you know, small area drills and we get our work in every Tuesday. 
That's awesome. We, you know, with my team, we started doing that mid last season of switching it up and starting with a smaller game. And it was unbelievable the difference it made for our players. I think you're exactly right on that. And I think you touched on another piece that's a really, it might be a little subtle, but it, I think it is a huge piece of advice for youth coaches out there. Um, he's with the way USA Hockey is, is coaching with ADM, you know, smaller games are becoming more and more prevalent and, and seen in youth practices, which is awesome. But I think sometimes there's a, a lack of like, um, purpose to some of those smaller games. Like it's not just, okay, let's go put two nets cross ice and let the kids play. I think having like what you touched on of, of having a purpose for those games and a, and a skill built in, you know, building the, the game around a certain skill or game aspect that you're looking to teach is the key in using those games at the, the youth level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? Is that, is no, that kind of your, your purpose? I, 100%, I mean, right now it it's, New Jersey, Wichita, Mankato, Fargo, Gus Davis, Mankato High School. I, I still do every drill I've I've known and, and been taught or you know seen in practice. I'll get drills from these coaches' clinics. I'll get drills from my assistants, our GM. It to me, it's you can get all the drills in the world and have all these fancy drills and do a new drill every day. But to me, it's what are you trying to do for that drill? What are, what are you trying to accomplish in the drill is, is what I'm looking for each day. And, and we, we don't have enough time in practice. I know it sounds crazy. And by the end of the year, our practices are 30 to 40 minutes. We get in, we get out. But for me, it's, it's, you got to be very smart with how you run your practices because you can do drills to do drills and just, you know, with, with the way it is at the youth level, you don't have much time at, at seven o'clock, the Zamboni's out on the ice. So you got to be able to make sure your drills have a purpose and you're doing them for a reason. And for me, the, the one advice for a youth coach is if you can, and you have the appropriate hockey players is try to discuss your drills and what your practice plan would be before practice. It'll free up an extra seven, eight minutes. You know, kids don't want to sit at the board and don't want to see how good you are on the board. So if you keep similar drills and you can get in and get the work done, I think it's having a purpose is going to be beneficial. Before we jump into our mailbag of questions for you, how does practice planning look for you? Like, do you literally sit down, you know, an hour or so before practice with your assistant coach and, and say, and go over it or... I mean, because I, I had a coach in juniors that he had his practice plan out for the entire season. It didn't matter if we were struggling on power play, he'd just keep it and roll with it. So do you, how do you, how do you plan for practice? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, let's just say Friday, Saturday game, we'll break down video for a Friday for a Saturday game. We'll watch video Saturday before the game, most likely Sunday. Um, sometimes Monday morning, I'll break down Saturday, you know, we'll have our keynotes from Friday's pregame. We'll have our keynotes from Saturday and then we'll kind of break down of, you know, we really struggled defensively or we really struggled to create offense in the ozone from a four check. So what'll happen is, is, you know, Monday morning, we'll do our yoga. We'll do our individual skill if, if guys want it, but right about, you know, 10, 30, 11 every day, once the coffee really sets in on that second cup, you know, we got the minds thinking, we're thinking about what we want to do and how we want to get better this week and how we can help these kids develop. You know, I, I, I don't think you can set up a practice plan for a month. It's too hard to really determine on what your team needs to do. I mean, to be honest with you, and here's where I failed as a coach this year is I wanted my team to be very good on the line rush. 
for the first two months of the year. And we did line rush, line rush, line rush. Well, after about 15 games, we might have scored two goals off the line rush. Going back and watching the film, I realized we were 85% from a dumped puck on a forecheck, creating offense. So we changed our structure into a forechecking team, and our success started to change when I realized that I couldn't keep doing the same drills. And I tried to tailor our team's success off of what we were being successful at, which was the forecheck. So I just think for me, it's, you know, every day it's something new. I, I don't do the same stuff outside of special teams is big for us. We'll do special teams Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays and Friday pregame skate. So, you know, we do touch on special teams. I do a lot of individual special teams just with units and video. But to me, it's, it's about 30, you know, three hours before practice and it might change an hour before practice too. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure sometimes it could change during practice, depending on just where guys are at and, and what the, the flow is looking like. Let's, um, let's dig into this mailbag of questions. We'll kind of go through a couple here. Uh, these are just from our listeners. Um, first one, and you've already answered a bunch. So we're kind of going to flow through them a little bit from, but from Alex Micheletti, 22, Favorite memory as a coach so far? Jesus. Uh, it's got to be my first win in the North American NA3. Uh, we were out in Rochester, New York, playing the Skyland Kings. And I just became head coach, went on the road, 0-2 on the weekend, came back home, called my GM, Thought I was going to get fired, was all nervous, and then the following weekend got our first win and uh, got the game puck. You know, being 27 at the time, I, I wanted to to get on the ice and play and go celebrate with the guys. I was all pumped up, so I don't think I'll ever not forget my first one. So that, that would be my favorite so far. Nice. Yeah, the big first win as a coach is always a big one. You can't, uh, can't look past that. I love it. So we've got another question here from uh, came over Instagram at Dylan F 71. And Dylan asked us, um, he says, what kind of players do the NHL teams look for? And I'm going to tweak this a little bit because we kind of already touched on that and what you're looking for. Um, but with that, that frame of reference in mind, you know, where, what would some of your advice be for a player that's aspiring to play in the North American league and how can they get on a team's radar? Yeah. Um, whether it's an ID camp, show camp, whatever else, like how, how do they get on your guys' radar? You know what? Like I've helped a lot of young kids that I've known through the Mankato area and Danny can attest to a few of them and just try to help them understand the process of not only North American league, but the USHL and in college. And, you know, if you have a good coach, he's, he's going to help promote you, which is always a good thing. But then you also have some coaches in high school and midgets that, that don't want you to leave, right? It's just you help their team, and that's what it's about, right? So to me, to, to get known or to get seen is is pretty simple. It's, it's send Corey Lieberman an email. Introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? What are you about? Where do you play? And it doesn't need to be a novel. It, it needs to be pretty short and sweet. And, and then provide a little bit of video of yourself and – I am a coach who, if you do the right steps and, and you spell Lieberman right and you spell Janesville right, <laughs> not another team, I'll respond to you. But um, I do watch video. I'm my man cave set up down here. I got the TV ready to rock. So I think setting up yourself to just be noticed, be seen at different events. If 
if I remember the name, you know, Corey Lieberman from an email, I see him at a camp. Oh, I remember this kid. I watched a video on him and then it, it sparks some interest because you were proactive in reaching out to coaches. If you think that I know Jimmy Smith in, in Florida who plays for the Florida Alliance, I probably don't. But if he sends me an email, I at least know who he is now for future reference, right? So we don't have the recruiting budget and the scouting budget like the USHL or colleges where coaches are on the road. It's myself and and uh, my assistant coach who are there day to day. I don't get to get out that much. So the more you can do to proactively promote yourself, um, social media, it is big nowadays, you know, the better off. Uh, you are going to set yourself aside from somebody who doesn't do the small things like you are. Yeah, I think I'll expand on that a little bit too because um, two points that I, I, I've seen that with, with younger players maybe that, you know, because I think you're exactly right on that. You have to be proactive um, if that's where you're looking to go. And, and on top of that is if, you, if you're going to take the time to reach out to a coach, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta do it the right way. You got, like you said, spell the name right and, and, and have some, you know, decent grammar in there at least, but, uh, but follow up at, you know, if the coach is going to take time to read your email and then, uh, and respond back to you, like it, it blows me away how many players just never, like that's the end of the conversation. They expect it to happen after that. And then on top of that, um, especially with younger players, and maybe I'd like to get your, your thought on this too, but I'm always impressed when it's a player reaching out to a coach more than it's mom or dad reaching out to a coach, right? Yeah. Honestly, I don't respond to parents. So I just – I'll respond to a, a kid who's emailing off their parents' email, but I, I'm not going to respond to uh, Danny's mom and, mm-hmm. hey, look at my son, Danny. It, it's just – it's – to me, that means your son is not driven. He's in the 95% club. If he's going to be the one that's proactive and he's going to be the one that sends an email and he's going to be the one that truly wants it, he's going yeah. to do it. If it's and it shows you, maturity too, right? Yeah, like you as mom and dad, that means I'm sorry you've been coddled your whole life and a lot of kids have and I'm, I'm okay to say that out loud because it, it, it happens, but if you right. want to be in that 5% club that makes North American league, but then also goes to division one, you might've done something differently back in the day. And that's what it truly takes is what separates you from the millions of other kids trying to do the same thing you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um, I appreciate you sharing. We're going to, I got two more listener questions and then camera's going to close it up uh, a little bit more on the serious side. But uh, this one comes from D McKellar. I'm just kidding. It's McKellar. Let's see if he's actually listening. Um, that's from Duncan McKellar nine best man of my wedding. So hopefully he's listening, but, uh, he wants to know how you lost your front teeth. They look pretty good now, but how those things, uh, how those things get knocked around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I was second year of tryouts in the Fargo force and you know, my first game as a Fargo force, I took a visor on, put a visor on. Mom and dad were there, took a puck to my, stuck to my face. Mom didn't like it. Try out second year, go there, go into the net, get nice high stick. Guy doesn't high stick my stick and just hits me right in the teeth. So the gentleman by the name of Duncan McKellar is the reason why I have two missing teeth. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he won't let that one go. He loves to talk about that. Uh, good guy though. Sec- good. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. But, um, 
Okay, second second question here. This one comes from your old your old high school coach uh, from Fake Five Go Shelf uh, UMD alumni. Um, he wants to know: Are bad angle shots a bad idea? No, they are not. Funnel pops <laughs> from anywhere you possibly can. Um, yeah. Bad angle for all the people that don't know what that is. That's when a goalie is on the post and I'm behind the goal line and I bank it off your leg and in and you look at me like, how did you score? And I said, it's called the physics of hockey and we call that the bad angle. <laughs> so to me, nope, I yeah. put funnel pucks from anywhere. You never know what's going to happen, what it's going to hit. Never a bad thing to shoot the puck. Yeah, and I think um, the backstory on that one is Corey probably had 75% of his goals from a bad angle. So... It's, uh, it's pretty unique and, um, yeah, shoot from everywhere. So we appreciate that. It's from fake five, go shelf old Curtis Dole. So we appreciate that. So I got, I got one more question for you before we wrap this up. Um, you know, we were, you got, you two guys go Teeter and Corey, you guys go way back, but, uh, Corey, can you, can you tell us a little story about how, uh, when you and court or, uh, you and heater played against each other, we were talking about before you kind of, oh, yeah. Well, there's two stories. The The first time I was excited to meet Danny, we were in Fargo. I was excited to, to go on the ice and say, hey, man, we're going to Mankato together. Well, I'm warming up for the game. I see Danny running the stairs in the middle of the Fargo Force Arena to get his workout <laughs> in. He wasn't playing that night. So I was kind of bummed. Then the Broken next wrist. Year, the next year <laughs> I got a chance to play Coach Danny one-on-one, and I came down with my uh, – unbelievable shot I have right coach and I uh was shooting high glove and coach Danny decided to put his neck in the way and shot right at coach Danny's neck and uh put him out on the ground for a bit I think he's on the bench throwing up and supposedly he wanted to fight me but I don't recall it <laughs> you know um a couple things with that I don't know if you're shooting top shelf because I had great stick on puck and I deflected that thing up okay. and then obviously just the willingness to block shots with my neck um kind of just shows that you know, What's we we're, we're cut from the same cloth. You want to be in the What's 5%? that? You want to be in the five percent club? Block shots with your neck, I guess. <laughs> there it is, right there. But yeah, backstory is I think we won that game. So yeah, love it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you big time. Before we let you go, you gotta you gotta give us a, a let's go, and then camera will will close. Or what? Come on, I can give yeah. you. A let's go, baby. Let's go. We appreciate that. Um. Check out Corey uh, on his Instagram at C Lieberman. Uh, he's always posting stuff just about his hockey journey and, and informational stuff. And then once in a while, you might see a picture of me. So that's definitely worth the follow. Uh, and then check out just his socials with the Janesville Jets. And um, like, like you said, if you're listening out there and you're wondering how to get noticed by a coach, well, reaching out with an email is a good first step. So we appreciate the advice, Coach, and, and thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Stay safe. And one more time, let's go. Let's go. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Big thank you to Coach Corey Lieberman for coming on the podcast today. I thought that was an awesome conversation. It was really uh, – I personally enjoyed connecting with Corey. I think he's got – it's pretty obvious this guy's got a pretty bright future ahead of him in the coaching world. So it's going to be fun for me to kind of follow his career along and see where he goes. I mean, moving, moving up the ranks pretty quickly there, but I think, uh, Danny, I think we should just jump right into the, um, into the three stars of the night. You want to get us started there? What do you think? 
Yes, three stars of the night. Your third star for Coach Corey. Um, honestly, it just goes back to his willingness to admit that he failed. When he talked about he wanted to just score off line rushes so bad for whatever reason, um, and he wouldn't adjust. He just he said, oh, it's not working. we got to hammer it more, hammer it more, hammer it more. And, you know, 15 games in, he, he wasn't where he needed to be. And then finally making that adjustment, things change, um, and the season starts to take a better turn. So, I mean, just the willingness to to admit that he failed is the reason why he started in the NA3, jumped to the NAHL, jumped to the USHL in a matter of years. And when you think of the coaching world, he just turned 30 years old and he's coaching in the USHL. Like that's that's a pretty big uh, feat for someone at his age. So that's that's huge for him. Uh, second star, I love. I'm a big video guy. I utilize it in a ton of my practices. Uh, and then when I used to go coach an actual team uh same kind of stuff video super super important but the way he runs it i've never really thought of like being a school teacher too you do kind of think in this way like okay let's let the the kids self-discovery but the way the way he would do it is you know he'd let those kids kind of watch that video and run it themselves and bring up points and, and talk about stuff like that and he would just kind of be that facilitator or that guide i love that idea and that's something coaches uh i mean the best hockey coaches the best thieves right we've heard that a, a few times on here so Definitely use that in any way you can, but those are two big stars for me. Coach, what do you got for star number one? Star number one. I think, uh, I think you're exactly right on the first two, and, and I'm going to go in a, in a little different way. And It's awesome advice for coaches on those first two, and then I think this last star, I'm going to go with the advice he gave to uh, the players and the parents that are listening. And there's two parts to this. One uh, I think the advice he gave to the players about like, don't be afraid to reach out to the teams that you're interested in, uh, in playing for. You've got to get on the radar. And sometimes that, that starts, that, that process starts with, um, you know, sending an email or, or picking up the phone and calling, but sending an email and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is where I play. This is what I'm doing. I'm interested in your program, uh, and getting your name on their, on their board and then starting the process from there. I think that's a huge thing. And I think the little, the piece that we, we discussed about it being the, the player taking responsibility for their own advancement and development is a really important part for the players that want to play at higher levels. It's not the mom, it's not the dad, it's not the guardian, anybody making that call for the kid. Uh, it's the player, um, you know, taking responsibility on their own. And I think that, you know, that's a great takeaway, not only for the players to you know step up and, and do that, but also it's a great reminder for a lot of the, the hockey parents out there that, um, you know, that you can encourage your kids as much as you want, but you never really want to be the parent that's going to be shutting doors on your kids and the over aggressive, overbearing parents that are breathing down coaches necks at the youth level translates into that kid not making a team at the junior or college level. It just, it's the way, the way it is. And I think that For sometimes sure. there's a lot of parents in the world that need that reminder that you don't want to close a door on a, on your young son or daughter's career because you know, the mistakes that the mom or dad are making, like let those players develop on their own. And, you know, that's kind of Danny, you and I talked about it off, off recording that, you know, the time in the you know, North American league or the USHL or whatever junior league you're in, that's a time where a youth hockey player becomes a man and gets prepared for the next level, whether that's college hockey or, or something outside of hockey. And so making that responsibility, um, laying the responsibility on the player, I think is a huge takeaway for any player out there that has aspirations to play higher and, and a good reminder for the parents too. So that's my first star for the night. Sure. Um, you know, with I think, that, uh, I think, oh yeah, add, add it in there, Danny, what do you got? I was, I was just going to say, and I, like you kind of say it best all the time, like 
you know, hockey is going to be done for you sooner or later. And it, it, and what are you, what are you learning as a kid? Like, and if you spend your whole hockey career, just having your mom, dad, guardian, whoever, whoever's in charge of you doing all that stuff for you, then you're going to come out on the other side of hockey, not the way that hockey can, or let me try and phrase this <laughs> correctly. You're going to come out on the other side of hockey. Hockey is the best sport in the world and it creates the best people in the world. Girls, boys, they turn into men and women. And um, if, you, as a parent or guardian, if you're not allowing your son or daughter to go through that stuff, you're not going to come out of hockey the way that you could have. Did that make sense? Totally. It helps prepare them for the, uh, the world after hockey. But let me throw in a really quick story here. We didn't talk about this, but, uh, you know, I, I've, had, I've been fortunate enough to work a couple, uh, you know, a lot of USA hockey camps around the country. And there was uh, at the national camp, uh, I think it's been like two years in a row, the last two years, they sit every, so it's a top 225, top 15 year olds in the United States, right? Like these kids are on the fast track to go to higher levels. And they have every single player in an auditorium and they've asked, uh, stand up if you signed up for this, this, uh, you know, to be in this, in this, this camp, right? Like you fill out the registration and then they have like all the kids stand up and they go, now sit down if it was actually your mom or dad that signed you up. <laughs> and, you know, they're like out of 200 some kids, there'll be like 20 kids that sign themselves up and they yeah. take note of who those kids are. And they say, yep, these guys are the more, you know, I can pick out the 20 most mature kids in this birth year right now because those right. are the kids taking responsibility for their development because they signed up for this camp to be here. They filled out the registration paperwork. It wasn't mom filling out the, the blanks or dad filling out the blanks. Um, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, for a kid that's 15, 16, 17, you should be mature enough if you have aspirations to play higher level. Like, I think it's really important for them to take ownership of that process and not for just sure. rely on mom and dad or say, well, my mom didn't sign me up for this camp. Like, well, sign yourself up, like figure yeah. it out. So good takeaway. That's, that's a big thing in the locker room when, you know, a kid's like, Hey coach, I forgot my gloves or, or no, they'll say, Hey coach, my mom forgot to pack my gloves. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. You need to be in charge of that. But I, I agree. I think those little things are what you can do in hockey uh, as a parent or guardian to make, make your kids even better. So absolutely cool. make sure, make sure you're hitting that like button, hit that subscribe button. Um, coach, any, any final thoughts or, or words before we give them a let's go? That's all I've got. I, I, another big thank you to, to coach Corey Lieberman for coming on the show. And like I said at the beginning, uh, I'm excited to see how he does in Madison and excited to see where he lands um, over the next couple of years in his career. I think he's got a bright coaching career uh, ahead of him. So it's going to be fun to follow and hopefully we can reconnect. And uh, that's all I got for today. I think, uh, I think that's it. Danny, you want to get us out of here with a good let's go? Thanks again, coach Corey. Let's go. All right, let's go, Hockey Podcast listeners. This is producer Vinny here to wrap the show up with you, and we have to thank Corey Lieberman one more time for coming on the show. Awesome interview. Hopefully everybody out there had a lot to take away from this one. To find Corey, make sure you scroll down. In the description, we'll have some links. Thanks again to Corey for coming on the show. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors. First of all, HockeyWolf.com and LacrosseWolf.com. For all things hockey and lacrosse, we hope that you guys are using them for all of your hockey and lacrosse needs. Finally, Gel Stick Sports. Gel Sticks are the most innovative and best weighted training aids on the market for hockey, lacrosse, and golf. 
They've got it all. And if you haven't heard about gel sticks, you need to go check them out at gelsticks.com. That's G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Get yourself a weighted training aid and maximize your next training session with a gel sticks. Right now, we've teamed up with them to offer you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, 20% off your entire order. Go visit their website and fill up your basket with all of the training aids for any sport that your heart desires. Then use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. Save yourself 20%. Get a training product to help you maximize all of your time off the ice, on the driving range, whenever you're shooting in your backyard. Hockey, lacrosse, golf, they've got it all. So go to gelsticks.com today and let them know that we sent you by using the promo code Let's Go. So thank you so much to Gelsticks and thank you, the listener. You know we love you and we couldn't do this without you. And we'll see you next time. 